It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the gospel on the radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King, your host, and uh, I am remembering September the 11th, 2001. It almost seems like it was just yesterday. Hard to believe that 20 years has gone by, but those images, they still remain in my mind. And I think about that Friday when all the legislators and uh, people in Washington, D.C. went to the church. And there they asked God to help us. And I believe that that was a very positive thing. But does it not seem that in so many ways the things that we thought we learned back then that it's so easy to forget. And to say, Father God, rain your blessings upon us as a nation, as a land. We prayed that prayer back then. Sometimes I ask that as a country and as a people, Is that still our prayer that the Holy Spirit would just sweep across our land and revive us? September the 11th, the day that defines the beginning of the 21st century for most Americans. On September the 11th, 2001, 2,977 people were killed in the deadliest terrorist attacks in American history. The moment shocked the nations. Two planes hijacked by Islamic terrorist vowing death to all. And see, the thing is that uh, people have opinions about religions and faiths and uh, they tell us, they say, well, we need to uh, be sympathetic But when there are people who vow to kill, then I have to identify that same group of people with the devil himself. Because the devil has a goal. And his highest prize is death. The devil is all about death. This day was a day of death, 
that just it's just hard to even fathom. I remember where I was that day, as most of us who were alive during that time do. I was uh, driving up Appalachia Parkway here in Tallahassee and uh, listening to the radio. And I heard the report that an airplane had flown into the World Trade Center. My thought was it was an accident. And uh, I think most people, when that first plane went into those towers, probably thought the same thing. And uh, as I was on my way into Tallahassee, I was renting a warehouse there on Appalachia Parkway at the time, and uh, I had a television there. So I stopped and went in, turned on the television, and uh, saw the replay of when that uh, airplane first went into the first tower. And as I was watching the replay, I saw the second plane. And then I believe at that time we all began to realize that this was not a mistake, that this was intentional, as indeed it was. One of the interesting things uh, that I've thought about this, um, the plane that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, that group of uh, travelers who were on that plane, they realized at that time what was about to take place because they, they were allowed to have their cell phones and they heard the news that the other two planes had intentionally been flown into the World Trade Center. And so these people realized their fate, and they decided to fight back, which I've heard it said that this was a, the opening part of the war on terrorism, because these people decided that they weren't just going to sit there and perish. They were going to fight back, and they did. So the question that I asked myself, I said, why didn't the others, why didn't the others on the other plane fight back? Well, I believe that the answer to that goes back uh, probably about 20 years previous to this. Many of you remember this. There was a time when airplanes were being hijacked and flown to Cuba. You remember that? They, they uh, flew them into Cuba, and then they, they held them ransom for a while, and then they would be released. And I believe that those passengers on those first two planes thought, well, okay, we're being hijacked. They'll take us someplace. They'll hold us for a while. They'll, they'll ask for ransom. I don't think any of those people realized what this hijacking was all about. But when the third group of passengers did, then they decided that they were going to put a stop to it. Here are some facts. 19 men hijacked four fuel-loaded U.S. commercial airplanes 
bound for West Coast designations. A total of 2,977 people were killed in New York City, Washington, D.C., and outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. At the World Trade Center site in Lower Manhattan, 2,753 people were killed when hijacked American planes, Flight 11, and United, uh, actually, American Airlines Flight 11, and United Flight 175 were intentionally crashed into the north and south towers. Of those who perished during the initial attacks and the subsequent collapses of the tower, 343 were New York City firefighters, 23 were New York City police officers, and 37 were officers at the port of authority. Now listen to this. The victims ranged in age from 2 to 85 years, and approximately 75 to 80 percent of the victims were men. At the Pentagon in Washington, 183 people were killed when American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into the building. And then on the plane that crashed in Shanksville, 40 passengers and crew members perished. As I said, I remember that day. And I remembered the, the days that, uh, that followed. And that Sunday, the following Sunday, when I preached the Sunday morning sermon at the uh, Open Bible Church to my congregation, I said to my to my congregation, if if a if a preacher can't preach after this, then he's just not a preacher. But I remember talking about how it is that this group of men with box cutters. That's what they were armed with, was those box cutters that they use in the stores with razor blades, very, very sharp razor blades. There were no guns, just box cutters. Could bring a nation to its knees. Because when this happened, nobody knew to what extreme this was going to go. Uh, the people who uh, were with the president, and the president at that time was George W. Bush, seven months in office and uh, had all of this thrust upon him to deal with as a president of the United States. And you remember what he was doing when the news came to him. He was reading the first graders. I mean, you look at the contrast of that. That is just so amazing. Here, the President of the United States was in a classroom peacefully reading to first graders. And they, the Secret Service came in and whispered in his ear about the uh, first plane that had crashed into the World Trade Center and I believe his thoughts were like, as I said a few minutes ago, most of us. It's an accident. And so he continued to read. And then they came and they told him 
of the uh, second attack. At that time, he realized that he needed to to leave this place he was and uh, got business to take care of. But I heard him in an interview say, look, I had these first graders in the room, and uh, they're young and they're, they're very impressionable. And he was very concerned about how this would affect him if he just abruptly jumped up and left. So very gently, because he was a very gentle man, he very gently finished his reading and then he departed. And they took him and put him on Air Force One. And again, listening to news reports at the time, the Secret Service and, and the military, they did not know to what extreme this was. What type of an attack are we under? Where else are they attacking? A lot of questions. Where is the safest place to keep the president? They decided that it was Air Force One because he had all the communication uh, that he needed and they could keep him going from place to place so that they would not be able to kill the president. And as a nation, we all wondered, to what extreme is this? What's going to happen to our country? Who all is behind this? How many more attacks are coming? We don't know. It was a time of uh, very intense confusion. But thank the Lord that, uh, well, the Lord led us through it. It was a difficult time. And uh, there's probably some of you who may be listening to this broadcast today and you weren't even born then. Or maybe you were just children. You really don't remember it. But I remember. And I remember that one of the things that I felt that I just had to do, I had to call my wife. I had to check on my family. I had to find out if she knew where all the children were. Of course, they were all in school. But uh, I remember later a country artist, and I don't remember which one and which song it was. But one of the lyrics in that song was, what did you do? Did you call your loved ones? And many of us did. Because we just wanted that security. That, that just knowing that our loved ones were safe. You see, at times like that, we need that comfort. Those of us who are believers and we believe in God, then it's just natural for us to reach out to our Heavenly Father. If Heavenly Father, help us. Help us, Father. Minister to our heart and soul. Lord, help us. And God, you... Just take us by the hand and just show us your strength. Take my hand, precious Lord. 
precious Lord. I, amen. Lord, it's, it's uh, times like these that we cry out to you. And at that time, as a nation, we did. And uh, prayer vigils were held all across the land. People prayed, and uh, we called out to God. But uh, as life is, and as life continues, we don't always uh, allow ourselves to have those same sentiments. And uh, I think about that sometimes. 20 years is a long time, but in many ways it's a very short time. And I, and I thought to myself, I said, um, if there was a comparison made between where we were as a people 20 years ago when, when all of this happened as to where we are now, I think we begin to get a clear picture because, well, a lot of people are not even bothered to go to church. I know this because the people who keep these statistics are constantly reminding us that uh, church attendance has declined all over the land, uh, especially in the north, but uh, in the south as well. Not as severely in the south as in the north, but nevertheless, all across the land, church attendance has declined substantially. And, uh, well, again, it to me is a indication of where we are in our, in our spiritual relationship and our spiritual walk with God as we would cry out to God. I find it to be interesting that in the news just today, now I let you know that I am pre-recording this. And so I'm recording this before September the 11th, 2021. My prayer is that there will not be anything happen that day that would any in any way mirror what happened that day. But I know that uh, there are people in this world who would like nothing better than for something like that to happen. And so my heart and my mind and my soul will be in prayer in the next few days that God will protect us and that nothing will take place. And so that's my prayer. And not only for that day, but for any day. But again, look at in history and even the events of the day causes us to have deep concern. But I heard it on the news just today. This is the day that I'm recording this, which is Thursday evening, that we are just now bringing to trial those who masterminded this in uh, Guantanamo, a military trial. We don't know how that's going to go. We don't know who's going to be convicted. But even the people who dreamed this thing up are, are even now standing 
trial. 20 years. It's taken 20 years for us to get to that point. Now, I know there have been others who have already stood trial. A sentence has been passed. But uh, we just look at the situation. We go, what, what have we done here? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, some of the people who were in jail in Guantanamo who were a part of this, a part of the war on terror, have been released and are now in the government in Afghanistan. And uh, it's all very confusing to me. Well, as of October 2019, 1,645 or 60% of the 2,753 World Trade Center victims remains have been positively identified. So some of these people, they were so, oh my goodness, it's hard to even think about this. But they were not even able to be identified. And, and you think about the people who, I mean, they, they said, well, I have a choice here. I can stay in this burning inferno and be burned alive or I can jump. And uh, many did to their death. And to think that there are people who would find joy in this. People who plotted this and masterminded this. And, and even the people who, who got on the planes themselves knowing that they were going to die somehow or another draws fulfillment that's hard that, that's hard for me to understand I, can, I can't I can't identify with that heart with a heart that's would be so cold that they would just intentionally, gleefully take the lives of people, people who were just going about their day that day. They got up that morning and they went to work. They kissed their wives or the husbands goodbye. They kissed the children goodbye. They sent them off to school. They went to work. And they never came home. And there were people who I saw it on television. They were in the streets rejoicing. How? How can this be? How can hearts be so cold? This is the timeline, September the 11th, 2001. 8.46 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, American Airlines Flight 11, traveling from Boston to Los Angeles, strikes the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. 9.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, United Airlines Flight 175, traveling from Boston to Los Angeles, strikes the South Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. 
9.37 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, American Airlines Flight 77, traveling from Dulles, Virginia, to Los Angeles, strikes the Pentagon building in Washington. 9.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapses in approximately 10 seconds. 10.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. American Airlines Flight 93, traveling from New York, New Jersey to San Francisco, crashes in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. In 10.28 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the North Tower of the World Trade Center collapses. The time between the first attack and the, and the collapse of the, both World Trade Centers is 102 minutes. It all happened very, very quickly. From 8.46 a.m. to 10.28 a.m., all of this tragedy had taken place. And the world, for a time, was plunged into chaos. Exactly what the instigators of this thing hoped for. And I mean, it, it, other than the fact that they had the one plane that was downed and did not strike its target, they were extremely successful in their attempts to kill people and to kill Americans. December 13th, 2001, the U.S. government releases a tape in which Osama bin Laden takes responsibility for the attacks. December 18, 2001, Congress approves a measure to allow the president to designate September 11th as Patriot Day on each anniversary of the tax. And here we are 20 years later, and we're still remembering. Thinking about the horrible tragedy of that day. to our soul sheltered in the arms of God and I hope that that's our prayer as a nation as a people that we do put our trust in the Lord because I'm telling you the truth of the matter is is when you when you listen to the news and you listen to all the things that's going on sometimes it just it brings uh, trouble in your heart and soul but uh when we put our trust in God, that it does. It brings comfort. And uh, uh, hear a song like that, a shelter to the arms of the Lord. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. We're, we're looking back 20 years. 20 years. Can you just imagine that? It's... Uh, it, like I said, in some ways this has gone by fast, other ways it hasn't, but uh, 
the memories, the images of those days has been in my heart and mind for for the whole time. And I do think about it. And I remember the the next year, the Lord laid on my heart to to just begin to uh, pray. And I don't know why the Lord laid this on my heart around the the begin around Christmas time, and uh, of that same year, I guess two thousand one, and uh, on Christmas Eve, the Lord just put a burden on my heart just just to to begin to just stand a prayer vigil for our country because I just felt such a, a burden and a, a sense that uh, well we would be very vulnerable on Christmas. But once again, and I'm not taking any credit for anything, I'm just saying the Lord just laid that on my heart. And there have been other times when I thought we're vulnerable, and we are, because we we are a, a people, we we lack big events, we lack getting together and gather together, and we have these uh, events that take place all over the country, uh, music, uh, sports, and, and we're all in these big places. And sometimes I, I say, Lord, just don't let us become a target to anyone. And of course, we've had many attacks uh, on a smaller scale even since then. Uh, the Boston the Marathon bombing was a horrible, horrible thing. And people were, were maimed and killed, not to mention all the young soldiers and Sailors and airmen and Marines that we've lost as a result of the war on terror and uh, those who have been uh, damaged for life as a result of it. But then there's also the economic impact of uh, this tragedy. 500,000 estimated amount of money and I'm thinking that's actually $500 million. It costs to plan and execute. I'm going to go back with 500000 The 9-11 attacks. $123 billion, billion with a B. Estimated economic loss during the first two to four weeks after the World Trade Center towers collapsed in New York City as well as decline in airline travel over the next few years. And that's true, because people were afraid to fly. And uh, you can understand why. Remember, we had the, uh, the bomber, the, the Christmas Day bomber, and uh, he had bombs uh, stored in his underwear. And he was caught, thank the Lord, he was caught. But he was going to blow a plane up with passengers in it on Christmas Day. Wow. $60 billion estimated cost of the World Trade Center site damage, including damage to surrounding buildings, infrastructure, and subway facilities. $40 billion, the value of the emergency anti-terrorism package approved by the U.S. Congress on September 14th, 2001, and $15 billion aid package passed by Congress to bail out the airlines. 
because they were hurting. They were hurting. I mean, nobody nobody wanted to be on an airplane. However, right after the uh, 9-11 attack, we had an event, the organization I'm a part of, a big youth event down in uh, uh, West Palm Beach. And I had a, a brother fly from New, from uh, uh, Eugene, Oregon, to Florida to the event. And he told me, he said, he said, this is one of the safest times to ever be on an airplane because the security is so high. And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't afraid to fly at all. He said, no. He said, they're, they're checking everybody and everything right now. And, of course, since that time, the, everything has changed. I remember a time when your family could be right there in the, in the, as you were going down the, the ramp and you hand in your ticket, your family would be right there with you telling you bye and then all the hugs. I remember those days. A lot of people have forgotten that. But because of this, that's changed. You don't, you don't even go back there where they, they go to go down to the airplanes. And uh, 15 billion aid package passed by Congress to bail out the airlines and 9.3 billion insurance claims rising from the 9-11 attacks. Listen to this. May 30th, 2002. Clean up at ground zero officially ends. It took three point million hours of labor to clean up 1.8 million tons of debris. The total cost of cleanup was 750 million. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's just economic. And of course, we don't we don't compare that to the loss of life. But it was more than just loss of life. It, it was a, a loss of innocence because forever our our mindset is changed about the way we go about our lives, and we just look at all of this. And all of this was, was happened because um, James, in his writings, in the, in the book of James, he said, uh, where, do, where do wars come from? And he said, it's because of the lust of the heart of man. In other words, one person looks over to another person and says, I want what they have, or I'm jealous for what they have. And uh, you have people who look at America, and they see the prosperity and whatever else they see. And they feel like that, well, America needs to be destroyed. And, and I think in the minds of most Americans, we just want to go about life we just want to take care of our families. We want to get up in the morning, go to work. We want to go to church on Sunday. We want to worship as we feel led to worship. And otherwise, we just want to be left alone. We want to be left alone by people who want to destroy us. We want to be left alone by our own government. We just want to be left alone just to live our lives. And why is that so difficult? Well, <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for all of that. But keep this in mind. 
the heart and soul of a person is so based upon our belief system. And uh, again, for those of us who are Christians and we're believers, we believe that our time here on this earth is short. It's very, very uh, quickly going by. And uh, what matters is what happens when we leave this earth. And we go to the place that we believe that God has prepared for us called heaven. And those who will participate in that are people whose heart and soul has found a peace with God Almighty and our souls. Our souls are in harmony with Him. And we've asked Him to allow His Son Jesus to come into our heart and soul, the Holy Spirit to minister to us, and we've come to a place in our lives we put our trust the Lord said Lord you be the keeper of my soul keeper of my soul well that's our prayer Lord, you be the keeper of our soul. Lord, even the soul of a nation. The God that we would forever be humble and a people who realizes the importance of the spiritual and not just the, uh, the natural. Because, uh, well, God has blessed us as a nation, I believe, because of those who know how to pray and have prayed and uh, the beautiful spirit of the American people that I'm forever touched by the reality that when there's tragedy around the world Americans respond and I think that's a that's a beautiful beautiful thing just a couple things to remind you of uh, just so you know this is the gospel on the radio talk show I'm Pastor Jack King here in our new time and new place at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings here on Wave 94 please make note of that and join us every Sunday morning I normally uh, interview people and have guests in the studio we'll get back to that real soon but today I just wanted to commemorate this uh, this event that took place and uh, the tragedy of it. I don't know whether you uh, heard one of the interviews with uh, President Bush at the time, President uh, w, uh, George W. Bush. And uh, that plane that was, uh, well, they thought it was heading toward the White House, uh, the fourth plane, the one that went down in Shanksville. The president had a dilemma. What are you going to do about this? This plane is heading toward the White House, Washington, D.C. Um, many people 
will be killed. I'm sure that at that time that they they had probably secured the White House. But uh, what are you going to do about that plane? And uh, are you going to order our jets to take it down? I mean, can you imagine having that type of decision to make? Fortunately, those passengers, uh, when I say fortunate, (laughs) maybe that's not the right word. Just take it however you see it. Um, They made a decision for him. And uh, these are true heroes. They they rose above uh, everything. They rose above everything. And you remember the expression was that they heard one of the gentlemen on the, on the cell phone said, let's, let's roll. Let's roll. Let's, let's go do this. And uh, like I said, they, they started the war right there. They said, we're going to fight back. And, uh, of course, President Bush there in New York City, and he said, uh, the people who knocked these towers down, they're going to be hearing from all of us. And you see, and as, a, as a country at that time, we were united with that. And then uh, here it is 20 years later, and we're saying, well, we should have never gone to Afghanistan. And I reminded you of this last week on the broadcast. I said, back in those days, they were singing songs about going to war. And uh, the expression was, well, Afghanistan, the good war, and uh, Iraq, the bad war. Everybody said, yes, we've got to go clean the terrorists out there in Afghanistan. And we were united in that. And then others said, well, no, I was, I was not in favor of that. No. The, the president, he saw what had to happen and he did it. I tell you what, uh, being the president of the United States is not, uh, not always a, an easy thing to do. But anyway, back to what I was about to tell you. Uh, join me Saturday nights, 7 o'clock here on 94.1 for the Saturday Night Gospel Sing and the the daily broadcast Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock for the gospel on the radio broadcast. One of the things that we can be mindful of is that, well, you know, we can always rise above all of these things because we have our trust and our faith in our Heavenly Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we can rise we rise above the storm. We put our trust, put our trust in the Lord. Because the sun still shines above the sun still shines above the storm. I want to invite you to church this morning. I am the pastor of Freedom Road, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We start at 1105. We'd love to have you bring your family and worship with us today. You can find us on the web, frcm.us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today for America. We pray, God, for this great country. Lord, we have many troubles but, Lord, we look to you. Help us as a people, Father God. And, Lord, protect us 
Father God, we pray for our churches. We pray for our military. We pray, God, that you would continue to let your spirit rest upon us. And Father, we pray for peace around the world and peace in the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.